Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life, and to make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase, how to create opportunity and make money. And here to discuss is talent agent Blair Taylor, CEO of Taylor Talent Services, who has been innovating and creating opportunities for his clients for over 25 years. Blair says he helps brands, producers, and marketers find the face for their products. And one of his secrets to success is accessing opportunities untapped by traditional agents. Blair has represented commercial actors and spokespeople for national and international campaigns for some of the world's most recognizable companies, including McDonald's, Coca-Cola, Chevy trucks and Verizon, as well as direct response campaigns and celebrity endorsements for folks like Robert Herjavec of Shark Tank and NFL legend Joe Montana, plus several of the Kardashian-Jenner clan, including Kim, Chris, Kylie, and Kendall. So welcome to the podcast, Blair. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun to be here. It's so fun to finally have this conversation with you, and we know many, many people in common. Yes, so, um so I just, you know, to bring you up to speed, people listening to this podcast include host and expert talent, of course, but as well as small business owners and entrepreneurs and C-suite executives. So I'm excited for all the places this conversation can go. And so first off, I actually want to talk about you and your own journey, because you've created opportunity not only for your clients, but for yourself, and you've yep. launched your own agency. So I want to know what has creating opportunity meant for you and your own success. Wow, what a great what a great question to start this conversation. <laughs> you know, the thing that's really interesting is is I realized very early on that I can sit in an office, work the same amount of hours as the person next to me, and we can generate very different results. Mm. And when I mean results, I mean more work for the talent. And ultimately, as someone who is quite honestly motivated by a little bit of this, puts more money in my pocket, right? So um, I started stepping outside of the traditional roles of being an agent which for the most part are, are simply um, responding to casting requests, right? As agents, we sit back, we wait for the breakdowns to come through and the request for submissions and we kind of respond. And that's what I have found most agents do. And uh, what I started do doing is kind of expanding upon that. I started doing that with a gentleman named John Paradise 27 years ago when I worked with John at, um, at the time it was Abrams Arts Agency. I was hired as John's assistant in the commercial department. And very quickly after joining John's team, he said, listen, I want to start a hosting division. I want to leave the commercial world behind. I'm going to give you the commercial work. I'm going to start the hosting work and let's see what we can create together. And, and because that was kind of new, a new world, right? It opened the door to, there were no rules. So we got to kind of create things as, as we went along and discover new things and discover the needs that the talent had, that brands had, companies had. And, uh, and because of that, it's really led to a real diverse um, resume of work in terms of the types of jobs that I have worked on and been able to, to secure for, again, not only, not only the clients that I represent, celebrities, and uh, and the brands as well that have come to me saying, hey, can you help me out with this thing? There's so much innovation there because you guys were acting like a startup, which I love, and the energy yeah. of startup culture. And also knowing John and working with him back in the day from my time at um, VH1 and then after I started my own company, you know, he was the yeah. first person to talk to me about that, you know, that radio was coming to the internet 
a long time ago. And it just seemed like an insane idea to me that like, what? And all the opportunity that would be coming because of digital technology and staying really ahead of it. So now that you're this far into it, what's the part that really, you know, fires you up still? Uh, I love making, I love making a deal. I love making a deal happen. And every deal is different, right? It's interesting because sometimes even the smallest deal is really exciting because the person who is benefiting from that gets really excited. So, you know, I've called clients up to give them a job. It's their first perhaps commercial booking and there's tears on the other side of the phone. That's just as powerful for me as a deal that may take months to construct and put together. Um, You know, there's a lot of reward in, especially actors who from the time that they're two or three or four years old have known that's what they wanted to do. That creativity is is in their blood. And they've been performing since they've been really little at birthday parties and holiday parties. And they decide to turn that into a career. So to be part of helping that dream come true is really, it's really rewarding for me. You know, when I was four or five or six, I didn't think I wanted to be an agent. I don't know if you know it. You're, you know, when you were that young, what you wanted to be, but performers have always known um, at very young ages that this is what they wanted to do. So to be part of something that's that's really a dream to them is is incredibly rewarding to me. Well, that's beautifully said. And so part of what you're doing is also helping people that the adding, I was going to say the business side of this, because you spend years perfecting your craft, but this mm-hmm. is a business. And I know that you've spoken about the need to learn to be the CEO of your own career. Yep. And so how does that show up? Like, you know, what are some of the most important suggestions or even the little things you would say to someone that actually can make a big difference in a career? I think the thing that's really important is to be a self-motivator. You know, I mm-hmm. ended up leaving the agency that I worked for. I was there for 18 years, had a wonderful relationship with all of them, enjoyed what I did very much, but I needed to take the next step for myself, right? Which involves taking a risk, having some confidence in yourself and, um, and really being able to kind of be willing to work beyond the normal structures of what we're kind of taught that it is to be in a career or a job. Um, and you have to work really hard. And I, I know that sounds cliche, but I find that a lot of people that I know don't really work as hard as I think they can work. You know, I see actors, I'll use actors out as an example that, you know, I say to them, if I'm working eight hours a day or 10 hours a day to get you a job, and I'm going to take 10% or if I'm lucky, I can take 20% on a non-union job. I want to know that you're doing the same thing in your career. And, and I have a lot of friends of mine that are talent and they don't do it. And part of it is that they don't know what to do or how to do it or how to maximize their time. So they kind of give that part of their career up to other people to make happen for them. And I really believe if you're the CEO of your company, which I believe every actor is, I believe every every business owner is, that they have to take that control. And a lot of people don't do that. Part of it is learning to be, you know, a shepherd instead of a lamb. But I wanted to ask you too, because again, you, whether you want to phrase it this way, but you've been breaking rules or you've been busting out of, you know, limitations, your own career. I mean, your whole career, we were just talking about that, right? And I think for actors, there's a strong sense, like there's a protocol and there's a way to do things. And there's, it's fear-based to actually go beyond that, which in terms of, of like, 
because it comes up in the coaching I do with actors and performers and different people. It's like, I get this all the time. Am I allowed to do that? Meaning, am I allowed to contact someone? And I was like, well, why wouldn't you? You know, are you being respectful, et cetera, et cetera. So there are a lot of things where one, somebody may just not have the DNA or needs to learn to be a self-starter, but others it's like, didn't even know that you were allowed to ask. Right. And I, I agree with you. I think it's all fear-based. People, people use um, their inaction is, is justified by their fear around whatever that inaction is, right? And I, I've had the same conversations. I've had a lot of clients over the years that say, what can I do? What can I do? What should I do? And we would say, we would give them advice like pop by the casting office, drop off, drop off some cookies around the holidays or pop in and, and the, the, just hearing that you can see them just almost turning inside out because it's just, it's so, they're so afraid of doing that, stepping outside of, of their world to do that, right? Something that's foreign to them or something that they've been told, well, don't do that. And I agree with you. Like, it's okay to gently break the rules. I think it's okay mm -hmm. to jump. I think I look at the rules as um, they're, they're like, um, if you've ever gone to a bowling alley and you see young children bowling, they put up these like bumpers and the bumpers are there, not so they'll get a strike every time, but they're there so they don't get a gutter ball, right? And maybe they knock down one and maybe, maybe they knocked down two. And that's what, I, that's what I say to people. These are rules to kind of keep you in line. So follow them respectfully, but I think it's okay to break the rules a little bit. And I've mm -hmm. always been you know, I, think I know that's, that's clear and it, and you've done a great job of it. Yeah, I mean, I I had a situation with Deborah Norville. Deborah is the host of Inside Edition. She's not a client of mine. I was dealing with a brand that was interested in a high profile news talent. And I thought Deborah might be good because the more traditional news talent are locked into contracts whereby they are not allowed to represent any brands. And I thought, well, this is entertainment news might be a little gray maybe there's an opportunity there and i reached out to her through social media and she got back to me and ultimately we did a deal together and that deal wouldn't have happened had i not done what is kind of outside i don't even want to say the rules because it's not breaking a rule it's just about thinking differently right mm -hmm. and thinking well i can reach out to her i can i can go after these folks and, and introduce myself and let them know that I'm there might be an opportunity there. And I've done that a lot. Um, that one really worked out pretty great. Yeah, so that's an example of me kind of stepping outside the traditional norms of our business, whereas agents were, were kind of told, well, these are your clients, this is who you work with, submit these people. But sometimes the people that come to you need someone that's not in that group. And so it's up to me. I, I, I kid you not, I had a company, a financial services company that was doing, they were doing a, a, a like a, a video seminar series on investing in cannabis. This was five years ago. This is shortly after I had started my, my company. And I said to the guy, I said, well, who would you want if you could have anyone? And he said, well, our investors are generally older conservative men. So I would like an older conservative man who we don't think about or we don't associate with cannabis, I think he would be great. And I said, well, who is that? And he said, former Speaker of the House, John Boehner. 
I did a deal for John Boehner. We made it happen. How'd so, you make that happen? Called his yeah, office. Was, wow. Yeah, I called his office. What was the to, pitch? Come on, what do you say? Like, hi, um, I'm Blair Taylor. We don't know each other. Yeah, I mean, basically, <laughs> listen, I'm working on behalf of this. This uh, it was a, a financial marketing, financial research company at the time. They're you know they understand that you know Speaker Boehner is involved, and he was in cannabis and was very you know vocal about his support. And they would like to talk to him about a possible, you know, partnership. And, and you just open the, you just gently open the door. You know, you don't freak him out. You just gently. And and I became friends with his assistant who very quickly, you know, got the information escalated up to him. And you know what else? Money talks. You know, when you sit, when you stand be, behind your conversations with offers and this is what we're willing to do, you know, he was in, he believed in it. It, it was an authentic partnership. And I think that's important. People say yes, when it feels right to on both sides. Um, and it felt right to him. And a month later, I'm in Washington, DC on a set at the AARP studios with John Boehner. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. So fantastic. Yeah. So, wow. and that's something that having secured that opportunity for him, I've maintained a relationship with his office and you know, anytime anything comes up, I I know I can call them. It doesn't mean that there's a deal to be made every time, but it it it's nice. So I'm not afraid of kind of creating those relationships with people we don't normally think would be in our world. I, I'm just so adoring you in this conversation because that is the crux of creating opportunities and making money. Yeah. Because it's a relationship-driven business. I don't know what yeah. isn't really, what isn't sure. relationship-driven, but I mean, this really is. And you think so creatively about how can I create a relationship in order to create an opportunity that's going to make money and and be win-wins. Right. And But you, you know, you said something that's really important is that you create a relationship. And so for me, the relationship, my goal with all of these interactions is to really create something long-term. I don't want to create something that's so short-term that people walk away not feeling good about it. You want something that's going to be long-term, right? So it is, it's not about tra a transaction. It is about a relationship. And for me, that relationship is something that um, carries over beyond that transaction, whatever that might be, which and is like why I know I could call John, you know, Speaker Boehner's office right now and say, I need a, a tour of the Capitol. I know they've set it up. I mean, they've offered like, whatever you need, let us know, we're here for you. You know, it's it's just creating that, you know, that connection um, that people feel good about. And when people feel good about the relationships, I'm sure this has been also a very powerful referral generator for you. Cause now people know you're the guy to go to. I get a lot of referrals. Yeah, a lot of referrals. I'll tell you a really crazy story about relationships and uh it's not a it's it's a great story but it didn't it wasn't great for the brand so a brand called me up said we want to do um a social media deal with i'm just going to say it was one of the jenners this jenner had a lot of followers over over well, they all do <laughs> yeah i know over 100 million followers and they said we we want to do one post and then if that post tests well we're going to do five more and then when i told this person that 
each post is in the hundreds of thousands of dollars per post. And they said, well, we're, we're okay with that. And by the way, remember, I get I get 10% of that, right? So for me, it's in my best interest to, to make that deal happen. And, and I said to them, I said, I don't think you should hire this person to do this. And they said, well, you're crazy. They have, they have 150 million followers. All we need is, you know, a half of a quarter of 1%. If, you know, and if just that minute amount of folks buy our product, we will have made enough to pay that person back and put a little bit more money in our pocket and gotten a little exposure. I said, I don't think it's going to work. They said, ah, you're crazy. I did everything. I didn't do everything. I was reasonable in telling them I thought it was not a smart idea. In fact, what I told them is if you're going to do it, guarantee all five to create a relationship with the followers, but don't do a one-off because I don't think they'll see the results. And this Kardashian was was incredible and so supportive of the brand and went above and beyond posting what they wanted but the the results weren't there and they ended up losing their shirt right and they lost their shirt not because the the person who was posting didn't do their job because i think there was an expectation that the brand had for delivery of this celebrity that was um it wasn't based in anything real. It was just based on a gut feeling, right? And again, this is a person with 150 million followers. And I always say followers is not influence. Followers is followers, right? Some people are have a lot of influence that aren't really that famous. And there's a lot of famous people that don't have any influence. So. Oh, so well said. But creating that relationship and being honest with those people is really important. They were very frustrated, understandably, when it didn't test well. But I think that's also part of our job is to, is to steer people in the direction that you feel will benefit them and also steer them away from directions you think may not serve them, mm-hmm. right? And they don't always want to hear you, right? Um, but you do what you can do. And then, you know, again, you let them be the CEO of their company and then they get to make those decisions. Absolutely. It, by the way, if there's such a parallel in the casting world yeah. that I've come from where um, someone might say, we want Celebrity X. And to say, not only will Celebrity X be really hard to get and expensive, but it's like, actually, how do they serve your project? Yeah, yeah. Right? Is, that, is, is it relevant to your audience? Is it a relevant skill set or to the story you're trying to tell or you know, to the world that you inhabit? Um, because that celebrity doesn't necessarily equate to eyeballs. That's right. If it's not right. the right person for the project. Right. And sometimes... It's really interesting. Sometimes a person making the decision about which celebrity to hire, who gets the final sign-off, is not even the the target demographic of the product they're trying to sell. Oh, right? exactly. Oh, so you have let's just let's say it's a a man in his 60s who's making a decision about a spokesperson for a beauty product for anti-aging, and and you're trying to appeal to 40-year-old women, but maybe who maybe the celebrity that a 40 year old woman would consider to be credible and relevant is not the same as what that 60 something male feels like it would be. So sometimes they don't, they're not willing to step outside of their own bias about what they think is right. And they just kind of, or they're like, well, I know that person or they live across, you know, down the street from my brother-in-law and they're really nice. And and their connection to the celebrity is not always, um, meaningful in a way that's going to translate to a positive response for the brand. 
Oh, amen. And by the way, I've worked on projects where I was the demo. I'm like not only the casting director, but the target audience and, yeah. and having people things like women aren't interested in that. I'm like, Oh really? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Right? <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. But so that really, uh, yes. I mean, so to your point, that really does happen. I actually want to yeah. go back for one second, if you don't mind, to clarify a little yeah. bit, because I think this is a great point about the, you know, the nuanced differences between um, celebrity or fame um, right. and an actual influence, which translates, therefore, to impact, yes. you know, which we can put into like, you know, a, a sales or getting people to do an action or show up for something. Because um, for my long-winded thing, it is so important to remind, it's like, there are very few people who are household names anymore. That's right. So you can have, like, I'm constantly slightly embarrassed and because um, I have adult kids. It's like, you know, they'll turn me on to somebody who has tens of millions of followers somewhere and I've never heard of them. Of course, right, right. But you're <laughs> not so, the target. And that's, not. There you go. That's my point, though. But it's like, so it doesn't mean that some, just because, you know, just because I haven't heard of them doesn't mean they're not famous. Right, right, or relevant to the that particular demographic, yeah, for sure. For so, sure. Is, is, so if I'm if I'm a brand coming to you, how would you explain the difference? You know how that actually plays out between like celebrity influencer, actual person of influence, or you know hyper niche, no. or however you put that. So I, when I deal with a brand, I do I deconstruct everything, right? So I don't start with okay, what celebrity do we get? Let's because they may not even need a celebrity. Not every right. So you start you start at the end and you work away work your way backwards to to say, you know, here's for like I'll use I'll use um, anti aging as an example. I love that. <laughs> right, and there's a lot of anti aging out there, right? Thank there's God. Here, right, <laughs> even for us, even for us men. And what I say to in you know in the in, in the anti aging space to brands. Number one, it's highly competitive, which they already know. Number two is getting eyeballs is highly competitive. So you do have to differentiate your brand because your brand itself may not be a brand that is so easily differentiable. Is that a word? You can't. It is now. It is now, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> and so sometimes you need a celebrity, right? That differentiates that brand. It's kind of like what we see right now with Medicare ads, right? You don't know the actual Medicare program, but you know, oh, that's Joe Namath. Oh, that's what's... <laughs> so the celebrity becomes... The celebrity's name and impact is greater than the product that they're selling. So I can Google um, Joe Namath Medicare and then, oh, it's Anthem or it's blue, whatever it is, right? So the same with, with beauty is if I if I see something on TV and it's it's just another skincare brand, I can type in... Uh, I don't know. Eddie, what's the model with the beautiful one? Uh, Chris, no, um, she's got her own line. We all know Cindy her. Crawford. Cindy Crawford. Cindy Crawford, thank you. I can type in Cindy Crawford skincare and meaningful beauty will come up. I don't have to remember that it's meaningful beauty, right? So in something like that, I say that's how you help different, that's why you might need a celebrity. And then we work backwards. Well, who, who's your audience? Who's buying your product? Oh, it's women in their 40s and 50s. Okay. So if it's women in 40s and 50s, who speaks to that? Women speak to women, right? You can have an, an old male doctor, white guy talking to those, talking to those women, 
but who's going to connect? Probably another woman, right? So then you then you talk about okay, well now we have a woman. We decided we have a woman. You want someone who is probably uh, has a pretty nice reputation out there that's not in the news. Someone that's squeaky clean. Someone that's admired for you know. You look at and you really have to start breaking all these things down. And then once you break it down, you end up with a filter that allows you to take the idea of a spokesperson and then you whittle it down to, I want a female celebrity of this ethnicity um, in, you know, with this message that appeals, you know, and you just kind of, and in this budget, by the way, too, right? Because, you know, some people, I get calls all the time, we want Katie Couric, we want Morgan Freeman. You know, I had a solar company wanted Morgan Freeman a couple of years ago. They, they weren't even like, they were on a whole different planet money-wise. So you have to have someone kind of walk you through what's, what's real, what's real life, you know? And they think, well, you know, I'm offering them a hundred thousand dollars for the day. Okay. I'll do that. I'll come be your spokesperson, but probably Morgan Freeman's, you know, um, so, right. so but putting that into context because of how much the people get that for a post. If you're at a certain tier, if you're at a certain tier, you can get just under a half a million dollars a post. A post. Now, keep in mind, with a with someone like a, a Kardashian or a Jenner, where you have 150 million followers, that is more eyeballs than ABC, CBS, NBC, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't mean all those eyeballs are on at the same time, and it doesn't mean all those eyeballs are interested in what they have to say. They're just eyeballs, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, there there is power in if the the voice behind those eyeballs has influence, and and sometimes influence. You and I were talking about this before we got on the Zoom. Is in a micro influencer. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's with sometimes it's a travel influencer that only has two hundred thousand followers, but they have been in every hotel on the Las Vegas Strip, and they can tell you what room you should be in and what's the noisiest room and where you don't want to be and what show is the best show to see. I don't need them to have 10 million followers. I need them to, I need to know that they know what they're talking about. Right. And they're experts. They're they're We call them influencers, but they're really experts. They're experts in that area, whatever, you know, sometimes they're experts at being a mom or dad. And they talk about, you know, I have a three and a half year old and I, I turn to Instagram all the time for parenting advice, not from the people that have, not from parents that have the most followers. I don't even know how many followers they have, but I know that the people that I follow provide me really good, valuable information, regardless of how many, how many people have signed on to listen to their, you know. That is such a valuable point that I completely agree with you. It is actually a funny statement of the times because of the idea that what you just said, I go to Instagram for parenting advice. Well, you know, because back in the you day, it was like one person, it was like Dr. Spock who you right, know, right. Dominated for decades. And then it, it opens up a little bit and we throw Dr. Sears in there, but now it's like, I don't know. They just, they just made sense to me. But on the other hand, it's, it's actually, you know, I'm with you there. And so it's like, you know, how do I do this? Well, I just Googled and I found somebody who's really good at explaining certain things to me. And I, now I'm devoted. And you're not, and you're not judging them based on, you don't look to see, well, how many followers do they have to, to, to create, to find out if they're credible. The credibility comes through your experience with them and your, 
your relationship to the content they're creating, your experience, your your value doesn't come based on, oh, well, they have 10 million followers, so there must they must be good. Like that doesn't even come into our minds. We don't choose where we get our advice based on how many followers that advice giver has. I want to sit with this for one sec because you're saying so many valuable things here, Blair. And one of that, it, you know, extrapolating is you know, how talent expert, anybody get in this field can get really down on themselves too, because feeling they don't have enough followers and I will never be able to have enough followers. And also the other part of the you know brain going, and I didn't get into, you know, my craft or my expertise in order to be a social media marketer, which is a whole other, you know, mindset thing we all have to work through. Yep. What you're actually saying that I love that goes back to being the CEO of your own stuff is actually focus on the value you provide being awesome in the content that you're delivering so that there's something for anybody who actually shows up. Right. That that's where you want to put your energy. For sure. And if you hear people that, especially younger people, I think that feel that they want to be social media influencers, what they talk about is always followers. They don't, they never talk about the quality of the content. They talk about the number of their followers. And I find that that is the disconnect. I think mm -hmm. if I, I think if you have a thousand people that follow you and they, and you're great and you give good advice, they're going to, you're, you're going to generate a result and an impact. And I don't think you're going to do that. You can have 10 times the amount of put out awful advice and guidance and no one's impacted. So it's the, it's the caliber of the content that you're creating, not the number of followers. Because the followers happen. The followers is, a, gaining your followers is a result of the quality of your work. It's not the other way around. Mm, I love that. I can't wait to clip that quote. Because that actually goes, we can get that bigger also into like my work from the casting director side and with content creators is that we're actually looking for you. And so I'm always looking. And so when I land on someone who's creating something of value, like that's the golden moment. Exactly. And right. And so that's, that's exactly it. So it's, um, you know, for whatever reason that you want to be found and develop, it's like, there's value in that. It's like, I'll look and then share it with my, you know, client going, look at, here's this. And by the way, here's somebody that everybody doesn't already know. So isn't that great for us in our show? Not only, you know, in the sense of affordable, but like, you know, cable, God bless, you know, where I, my former bread and butter, that was all about like wanting people who hadn't been discovered because we're going to own them and develop them. Yep. 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 Absolutely. And the other thing that I think is that especially talent, they have to give themselves a break because mm -hmm. sometimes they, I think they feel like I have to have a social media following and I have to do, some people are not good at that. There's, it's, I think it's muscle. most of us are not good at that. Oh, great. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. But, but I know that about myself and I don't, you know, but I think people, they, they get down on themselves thinking, oh, I have to, I have to create this yes. presence to do this. Well, if it's not part of who you are, if you're not naturally influential in your world and in your life and like, don't just gain followers. Like, you know, I remember several years ago when we'd work on jobs and they, you know, the casting director would say, well, we want another Instagram account. So we want to know how many followers they have. And I'm not asked that anymore, really. And I think because it doesn't translate anymore. Right. Because what, what do you, what do you say? Like I have 
you know they they you can buy followers you know the the influence isn't necessarily there um and actors are really and sometimes i think ultimately who whoever they end up hiring they don't really care how many followers they have and i always say to the talent from an acting side your job is to be the actor your job isn't to bring in an audience it's their job as marketers to bring an audience to that tv show or that film or whatever they're creating, that's really not your job. It'd be nice if you had followers you could shout this out to, but it's not your burden now to be their marketing team to help push out a message. That's never been the case. And now talent is being asked to participate from a content standpoint, they're being asked to create the content, they're being asked to write it, to star in it. And now you have to have a certain threshold and push it out to your followers as well, which I think is, not really always that fair to the traditional actor that just wants to act. Yeah, preaching to the choir because one, it you know, it depends on what the point of your project is. Yep. You know, probably in your financing and, and where you're going to try to sell. So that it's like, well, it's just really about marketing because we're about, but if you're actually making something and telling a story, you're really doing a disservice if you're casting a marketer versus someone who can really inhabit the role and make something sing. And because that in itself is what will maintain an audience and get people to say that was really great. And then, you know, build your world of word of mouth. On the yeah. other side, though, since I work primarily in unscripted, something yeah. I've discovered is um, now, it, A, it's a relief that because it was so time consuming to spend all that time researching everybody's numbers and yeah. uh, that, okay, glad that era is gone. But now part of it has to do with like knowing that you're in the sandbox. It doesn't matter like how successful you are in the sandbox. And even going back to that in terms of breaking the rules and stuff that you've already talked about, like reaching out to Deborah Norville via social media, I stress to everybody, develop relationships. That's, it's just like show up and, and comment and be generous and develop relationships with people. I have cast people that just because, yep. you know, they started following and chatting and they were great. And I was like, you're interesting. And you, you know, you, you got my attention, but um, circling back to all this, it's part about being in the sandbox. And I just finished working on a project where it was really important that people were on TikTok not because they had to be massive TikTok stars, but it yep. was an understanding of, in this job was translating content because you'd be doing like traditional hosting, right? Like here's the script and here's the story and we're doing the thing. But then yep. having to be able to translate that story to a different platform, which I actually think is an enormously valuable skill in this day and age. Because yep. even if you're a newscaster, there is an expectation that you're also doing, um, you know, For social sure or doing an Instagram story. So you have to be able to obviously deliver that story, you know, linearly. But the same thing is like break down what that debate was in a yeah. very different communication style. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. And so and that's It's so funny because TikTok, I, I don't even, I don't get it, I don't understand it, I don't have it. But it's all the rage, but I don't, I don't get it. I did want to finish up by asking you one thing, because you'd mentioned this on the Cole Sellers podcast, which okay. I love, was you said there are tons of jobs out there. And I thought that was such great news. Um, yeah. But the, And then you broke it down because, and, and the reason I wanted to bring this up is again, talent can get, especially younger talent, really narrow focused about what a job is. And it's like, if I'm not on TV, which by the way, they don't watch, which is a whole other conversation. Hey, want to be on the television that I don't watch. And so I, and I don't know anything about it anymore. Or I'm pitching an idea for cable, which I don't have. I don't watch cable, you know, that kind of thing. Anyway, <laughs> I, I can waffle out about this forever, but you 
wound up with this amazing list of like all the different types of opportunities. So I was hoping you would share because I found it hugely inspiring. Do you, you want know, me to what you said? Well, <laughs> yeah, no, well, well let, me, let me make a go at it here. Because the, the first thing, especially in the host, host world, right? We sit down with people and we say, what do you want to be? What's your goal? What, what, you know, where do you want to get to? Ultimately, they want to be Ryan Seacrest or Oprah Winfrey. That's who they yeah. want, right? They want to be in, in some entertainment program, entertainment reporting. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's extra entertainment tonight, inside edition. And by the way, those jobs are filled and they're filled by people that have been there a long time and probably not leaving. And so now what? Right. They don't they never think beyond that because they look at all the glitz and the glamour and the TV and the Hollywood and reporters. And 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 I, I moved out to California from Wisconsin. Hollywood was glamorous. You know, sunny and happy and money and fame. And and then you get out here and it is that. But most of it isn't that, right? And so as soon as you learn to identify the reality of the work, you can appreciate the scope and breadth of the work that's available to you. So, you know, in the I always say, okay, that example where we have extra inside edition entertainment tonight, that's three, three shows, but how many companies are out there? There's hundreds, thousands of companies they're hiring hosts for industrial work for live events for you know i did i did a big thing with with facetime yeah meta i guess it's now meta a big hosting thing with meta um all the streaming services that are now coming up we have a lot of clients under contract with streaming services online gaming platforms comic-con here uh this live golf event that, i mean our clients are working all the time as hosts but not in the way that you would you as a an outsider might look at it and go, oh, but why aren't they on TV hosting this show on Discovery Channel, which as you know, all those shows are kind of just isn't what it was, right? But all the it's it's an iceberg and all the entertainment stuff is the one is what sticks out of the ice because it's fun and it's but all the work is underneath. And there's so much work. There's home shopping. You know, I had a call today with a guy from um Shop NBC. He's been on which is based out of Minnesota. He's been on the network for 15 years. He's done so great. And he, now he wants to do something new. News reporters that have worked at major networks or, or even local networks have come to us and said, I wanna do something different. Um, so there's a lot of stuff out there. If you're open to, if you're, if you're open to allowing yourself the opportunity to experience whatever that might be, right? Whether it's, um, you know, sponsored programming. Uh, we have we have a client that she's in her third season of a show. Um, she goes to old folks' homes and she helps redesign their room so that when they move in, it feels like their home. And they recreate their home, which may be two or three bedrooms, into this now this tiny little, you know, they're at their in their retirement home. And she goes and recreates that for them. And it's sponsored by a company that owns these retirement, you know, retirement communities. You'd never know that, right? And yet it's a series and we're going into our third year. Um, you know, I had a client last year that did six episodes of a car show. She drove around the country. It was sponsored by 
uh, an accessory uh, um, uh, for, for Ford Broncos. And so she would drive around the country and she'd have an accessory with her and she would highlight the accessory, but she got to see parts of the country and go all over. And these are good paying jobs. And by the way, you do a job like that and you can make six figures. But if you get a job starting at an Entertainment Tonight, an extra, you're not making six figures. And you're probably not even on camera at that point. You're starting out as someone's assistant. You're working your way up to the on-camera, possible on-camera work. And the money isn't where people think it is. It, press junkets, it's all free, red carpet stuff. Those people aren't getting paid. And as soon as we turn the lights on for people, they're like, oh, you know, sometimes, sometimes when you turn the lights on, things are a little bit uglier than what you thought. But when the lights are on, you also get to see more, right? So we do that. We turn on the lights and let them see everything. And, uh, and there's a lot of stuff out there. We just ask them to be open to the possibility, right? Now, this I don't know what again I... the crux of creating opportunity. That is exactly what you just that was the point. Yeah. I love that. Oh, now, what did I say on Nicole's Nicole's podcast? Was it Nicole's or Brian's? That one was Nicole's, and I can um put a link to it in the show notes because I just thought it was really wonderful. And you I, I mean, I mean, that was it, was just the idea. It's it's all around you. You have to be open to creating opportunity and redefining it. And I love because I get the Ryan Seacrest Oprah. Um, yeah, you know, you hear time. it. Right. But so now I'm like, wait, you want to be a mogul hmm. because that's who Ryan Seacrest is now. That's who, of course, you know, it's like, is that what you're saying? You want to own multiple businesses. And um, I mean, God bless them. It's like, and so that means you're working 22 hours a day for the next, you know, forever because right. you know, for them. So we address that in our, in our meetings upfront, we address expectations about what's real, you know, like come, come down to earth. We're gonna have a real conversation. We're gonna work our butts off for you, but let's, we have to be real, you know? Okay, one last question. And, and you can reject it if you want to, but do you, putting, you know, looking into your crystal ball, where do you see opportunities ahead? I think there's gonna be a lot of streaming opportunities. Digital, this whole thing right here, this thing, we that's already- that, That's we, your phone. That's my phone, right? And that's my kid on my phone. Um, oh, he's cute. Yeah, thank you. You know, that's where everything is going, right? Everything's going to YouTube programming, everything. We've been telling people forever, create your own content. And forever they have been resistant to doing it. Um, and I think it's because they didn't think that that was real. You have the ability to do, I always tell hosts, you have the ability to create your own dream. You can do it. You don't have to wait for someone to hire you to do it. You can do it. And you can actually do it and put it onto the medium that people are watching. You get to put it on the internet because that's what we're watching. You don't need to, you don't have to buy it. You don't have to, you could just upload it. You could do everything. You get to do that. Or you could wait for someone to do that for you, but the power is there, right? So I think it's going to continue to be digital. TV is, listen, I'm over 50. I still watch TV. Anyone under 40, kind of, they're, they've unplugged, right? They've, they're just streaming everything. But I think digital, the internet, that's, that's what it's going to be for sure. The way we, we receive information and content is going to be through the computer. And, what, and we, right now, we differentiate the computer and the television. Right. Even though our TV, we have smart TVs and we can kind of move, there's going to be a point. It's, it, it, it is going to be the same, I believe. 
it's going to be the I same. I think it is already the same because you can put any, you just use um, yeah. a cord and then it goes on your TV. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. So now I do this, I say that all the time because guess what? Now you're on TV. That's right. I have YouTube on my television. Yeah. You're on TV. If that's your definition of being no. on TV. Totally, I totally agree, 100%. Mm, you're such a pleasure. Thanks so much for doing this. I hope you'll come back sometime. This is so fun. Anytime you want to, you know, just hang out and talk about the business, I'll do it. Oh, thank you. I love it. And I want to thank you for listening to this episode of Camera Ready and Able. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a five-star review. It's much appreciated and it helps a lot. And if you're interested in media training or help with career strategies, please shoot me a note via my website, ableintermedia.com and be sure to download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera.